Welcome to Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Your Majesty, I was just in China to assess the situation there as you requested. Lord Shelley has identified two women believed to be President Wee's mistresses. One of the women is already in contact with the MEA. Apparently she's on King Hussein's payroll. So that's how Hussein has been able to keep close tabs on President Wei. Indeed, sir. Your Majesty, before I left for China, you asked me to survey Luke Johnson and his anti-church movement? I looked into it as soon as I got back. He's been having meetings all across the original state, sir. I believe his group is much larger than we originally thought. How many people are in his network, Nabal? I counted over 800, sir. Well, he is ambitious. I'll give him that. I estimate the network is at least three times that number, maybe more. I believe it. Johnson has been trying to undermine the church for years, even before the war. But now, it looks like he's got more people listening to him. What are your orders, sir? I can have him eliminated very swiftly. If we outright assassinate him, he'll become a martyr, which is exactly what he wants. We're not going to give him that. Instead, we'll put him on trial. I want you to lead Orb and his men to Johnson's location. Have him arrested, and Nora will have him ostracized before a public hearing. Having him give testimony in a public forum will bring out his supporters. We'll go after his supporters after the trial and kill them all. Then banish Johnson into exile to an island in the Caribbean Sea. He'll be disgraced, hated, and discredited. As you command, your majesty. And Nabal, show no mercy on Wei's mistresses. Not even their children. They'll just grow up wanting to avenge their parents anyway, so eliminate them as well. Yes, my king. New Kingdom Radio Theater. The Evidence Locker is a weekly podcast about international true crime. Made by hardcore true crime fans, it's somewhat grungy. Join us as we explore the dark corners of the globe. We've covered cases from Sweden, Brazil, Australia, and the U.S., to mention a few. Find us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Lord Orrick put the leader of an anti-Christian terrorist movement on trial. Luke Johnson was a very outspoken activist who wanted to bring down the Catholic Church, who he called the Beast of the World. In a public setting, Oreb asked him to defend his actions before being punished for his crimes against the Church and the Crown. Johnson said in his testimony that Christians, and the Catholic Church in particular, 
have been on their own side of humanity for centuries. Or if flabbergasted, asked Mr. Johnson to explain this. And Johnson went on to argue the Catholic Church had been lying to the people from the beginning and even perverted the words of the gospel. But before the announcement of his sentence, Johnson told Oreb things that infuriated him. Even so, his words planted a seed in Oreb's mind. He said, The truth of everything is in antiquity, Lord Oreb, but its resolve will only come in the future. People prefer lies over the truth because it absolves them of responsibility for it. Are you saying people believe lies so that they don't have to be responsible for the truth? That's insane! Is it? Try to see the world through my eyes, Lord Oreb. And when you do, doubt will seep into mind. Doubt about the actions of Christians and the Catholic Church, their hypocrisy, their self-righteousness, their perversion of the gospel. They twist and mangle the words of God to fit their comforts, their desires, and their perverted ways. The closer you look, the more all they stand for conflicts with many of God's laws. I can sense that about you, Lord Oreb. I can tell you were a good man with good intentions. If you were the king, you would not have done what Asylus is doing. You would not align yourself with the Vatican as he has. You would never worship the devil as he has. Don't suppose you know anything about me or what I would or would not do, Mr. Johnson. Make no mistake about it. You are close to being put to death. I am willing to be lenient. But do not try my patience. I can very well condemn you to death, you hear? So all your senseless babbling will only persuade me this should be your ultimate fate. I'm not telling you this to force your hand. I accept that my life is over. I have no problems with that. But I have to tell you these things, Lord Aura, because you have the power to bring balance to this world. It needs to have balance. You have to steer it back in the right direction. This is absurd. I don't know what you're talking about. I think you do, but you better let me whisper it in your ear. You don't want me to say this in front of everyone. Trust me. Black horse. What did you say? I said, black horse. That's you, right? It's clear you want your execution to happen. <laughs> Aha! Uh -huh. I knew it! It is you! You are him, Lord Oreb. Don't deny it. You are sadly mistaken, Mr. Johnson. For your defiance of His Majesty King Asylus's order to be branded and inciting violence against the Holy Catholic Church, I hereby find you guilty of high crimes against the Crown and sentence you to a life of exile to a location to be determined. What? That's insane! The Catholic Church is not part of the American monarchy. My rhetoric may be vile against the Church. I never incited violence against anyone. Even if I did, why is that against the crowd? You had your chance to make your case, Mr. Johnson. And you chose to grandstand instead of defending yourself. You will be held in a maximum security prison and be transported within 30 days to your exiled destination. This court is adjourned. Everyone is excused.
What troubles you, my son? I've seen you with that expression a lot lately. The trial against that dreadful menace Luke Johnson has ended, and personally, I couldn't be more content with the outcome. So should you. You want to tell your Holy Father why you are upset? Personal matters, Holy Father. My wife... Your wife does not want to talk to you or be with you, correct? I've been trying to reconcile, but she is still very hurt by my betrayal of her trust. I can't say I blame her, though I think I paid for my sins. Unfortunately, Asilas, we never get to determine our own punishment, nor how long we will pay for what we do in this world. I know my relationship with Lord Shelley was inappropriate, but I didn't... I wasn't with her in the most intimate way. Why doesn't that count for something? Because it was intimate, Asilas. Not laying with someone does not mean you cannot be intimate with them. You and your wife had a solid bond and trust, and now that has been severed. Like a muscle or an arm being detached from the body. It can be reattached, but the healing process takes a very long time. I'm afraid this marital problem you have is like that. It will take time to heal. I don't have a lot of time, Pontiff. None of us do. I don't want to leave this world without my wife by my side. The thought of it is incredibly unsettling to me. Indeed, I do understand, but what you must do in this world is far more important than even saving your marriage. We all have to make sacrifices, and if this is one of yours, so be it. I understand this as well, but it doesn't mean I won't feel any pain because of it. Everyone will have to feel pain, my son. Much of that pain has to come without warning. It has to come like a firestorm in the night, violently shaking the walls and waking the sleepers to find themselves in an inferno. And while they burn, they may ask themselves why this is happening to them. And it will not matter because they will die. But the secret is... We all know deep down inside why we suffer, and know why we deserve it. Just as you know why you suffer as you do. My dear friend Dr. Ezekiel is suffering right now, Holy Father. He's a good man. I can't think of anything bad he has done in his life. Why is he dying a slow, painful death? It seems so unfair. We don't get to decide if our suffering is fair. That is decided by our Lord. And as for your friend, Dr. Ezekiel, he is not without sin. No one is. I'm not suggesting he's an angel, but he has been good to me. Indeed, at least your wife is healthy, Asilas. Imagine the pain you would be feeling right now if she were in Dr. Ezekiel's condition. The guilt of your sins would be unbearable, would it not? Try to think of it, son. Imagine her suffering horribly at the end of her life. No, 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 no!
Lord Warwick met with the Silas to convey his growing doubts about the alliance made with the Catholic Church. In their meeting, the Silas seemed distracted and unwilling to focus on the topics Warwick wanted to discuss. Warwick told the King Luke Johnson had said many disturbing things about the Church, their dealings with Satan, and their plans to hijack the King's wishes. Isaiah sat moping, nearly in tears, and could only utter his heartache for Queen Rebecca. He told Oreb that the Queen had said she no longer loved him and couldn't stand the sight of him. The King had made several attempts to reason with the Queen, trying to woo her back, sending her flowers, and even singing her a song. But the Queen did not accept any of the King's gifts. Or advances. The situation was dire, and he was slipping into madness by the minute. So Orb did what he thought was necessary to intercede in the matter. He left his post in the Middle East and went to New Eden to talk with the Queen. 
My queen, thank you for meeting with me. I hope you are feeling well today. I have to say, this is a real surprise, Lord Oreb. To what do I owe this visit? Your Majesty, I'm here to plead with you about your relationship with the King. I've come to tell you he is suffering immensely, and he is completely heartbroken since your recent expressions of discontent with him. I want you to know the King is extremely sad, and his mood is affecting the governing of this kingdom. Is there any way to reconcile your issues for the sake of all of us? I don't know, Lord Oreb. Has he stopped loving Lord Shelley? Has he stopped being unfaithful to me? Yes, my queen. I can personally attest to this. The king has cut all personal ties with Lord Shelley. She is in China and has been for months. I know they are no longer involved outside of the business of the war campaign. I assure you of this. And what about the murder of my father? Has he also admitted to ordering his death? Has he confessed to sending his assassin Nabal to kill him? My queen, to my knowledge, your father's death was ruled an accident. That has not changed, at least not officially. <laughs> you continue to cling on to that fiction, don't you? You know what really happened to my father. You know all the details of his death, and yet you stand here and try to act like you know nothing. Like you're acting in the best interest of the king. You and Asylus have a lot of nerve to ask me to forgive and forget the betrayal you have done to me. How dare you, Lord Oren? My lady, I think you are mistaken. No, you are mistaken. Now you've said what you had to say, Lord Oren. Just get out. you can stay for a little bit to help out with our situation here at the Grand Castle. Sure. I came to speak with the Queen, but our meeting was cut short. What is going on? Well, Lord Oreb, if I may, we are in this place because the Regent's office has been bugged. Bugged? We have strong suspicions that Princess Monica and possibly Lord Richards are working with someone on the outside, but we're not sure. Surely you have a plan to spring a trap. Am I right? We do, but it involves Prince Isaac. Have you discussed this with Prince Isaac yet? No, we haven't. That's why we think you should help us with our plan. How can I help? Isaac is a creature of habit, so we know his routine around the castle. We need you to accidentally bump into him. Mention how his father could use some help, especially with him being more of service to the prince. Perhaps mentioned working with Princess Monica on the new mandate the King decreed. You mean branding everyone on their foreheads? Exactly. Jacob believes, and we all agree, it is likely that Isaac does not like this mandate, and we know Princess Monica doesn't either. So, putting those two together seems like a possible alliance could brew. Once Isaac gains her trust, we can direct him in extracting the information we need to find who is behind all of this. Sounds plausible. Okay, I'll head to meet with Isaac as soon as I leave this office. I have other pressing matters to attend to, so I must act quickly.
Prince Isaac was very excited when Lord Oreb asked for his help in some touchy political matters. With the king's decree to have everyone branded on their foreheads, it had become more apparent this was perhaps the king's most unpopular move. However, what no one knew at the time was that the ink used in the branding had nanobots in them, which entered a person's bloodstream and could alter a person's mood and even their thoughts. For the people who willingly had themselves branded, these nanobots began to influence their feelings. The more people had their branding on their foreheads, the more approval the king's decree gained. Even newscasters on television proudly displayed their branding and people began to accept it as chic. With more people coming out with positive reviews of the branding, Prince Isaac expressed his discontent with this and voiced his fiery opinions to Princess Monica. The trap was set in motion and soon it would be revealed how deeply involved the princess was in the undermining of the king. Ah, here is my favorite brother-in-law. How are you, Prince Isaac? I'm your only brother-in-law. Gosh, Monica, don't you ever get tired of that old joke? It isn't even funny. <laughs> oh, come on. You know I like messing with you. Oh, But I see you're frowning again. What's wrong now? Well, I was watching the news and I saw that news guy, you know? Tom Novak. Yeah, him. He's got that branding tat on his forehead now, too. And he was bragging about it. Like it was something fashionable. I'm so glad the law doesn't require me to get one. I think I would rather they execute me than get one of those. They're hideous. I agree, Isaac. You know, I think your brother is for it. But I've told him many times, I don't think that it's right the king forces people to get the branding. It should be voluntary. Well, yeah, but even then, why should people get them? The whole thing feels very unnatural. You know, my father won't listen to me, so it's no use complaining or telling him what I think. But your brother will listen to you. <laughs> yeah, right. He knows it should have been me that holds his position. Look, I know he's your husband, so I don't want to say anymore because you'll tell him and he'll get mad and then I'll be deeper Stop. and- Stop. <sighs> Look, I happen to know that Jacob would love it if you tried to help him now. Things have been rough between you two. I won't deny that. But as his wife, he tells me everything. So, if you want to be back in his good graces, I can help you. You really think Jacob would let me back into his uptight world again? To be like we used to be? Maybe not totally like it used to be, because he is crown prince. But I'm willing to help you get back in the game, if you help me, too. If I can get back into Jacob's circle, 
I'll help you with whatever you want. Help me? With anything I want? <laughs> you sure know how to talk to a girl. Isaac, you and I are gonna be best friends from now on. Listening to The Rise of King Asylus, episode 42, The Lure, starring J.V. Torres as King Asylus, Paul Sadine as Nabal, Stephen Fisher as Lord Jeremy Oren, David S. Deere as Pope Innocent XIV, Meg McDonald as Queen Rebecca, John Doby as Lord Quinton Capone. Dan Delgado as Lord Alberto Vargas. Layla Bonet as Princess Monica. Liam Montgomery as Prince Isaac. Frank Ed Nutson as Luke T. Johnson. And narrated by Sergei Brezhnikov. This episode features the song Kings by Scene of Action. Download the music of Scene of Action on Bandcamp.com today. Also featuring One More Second Chance by Howie Zoe. For more information about the cast, the music, or other contributors to this production, please visit us at www.theriseofkingasilas.com for a full list on our Season 3 episode page. And now, a word from our podcast friends. There's something to be said for the art of conversation, isn't there? Now, I'm not talking about feuding endlessly with strangers online, or having shouting matches with people at the checkout counter or the dinner table. No, I'm talking about having honest conversations with people who care enough to ask difficult questions and then actually listen to one another. This is something that our culture is losing, and I'm afraid that it's happening even within the church. And as a Christian, I feel the value of this is seen best in James 1.19, which says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I'm worried that in our culture and even in the church, we're so quick to rush in with our Americanized flavor of whatever we think the truth is without taking the time to study scripture for ourselves or actually listen to each other. And as a result, people just become more and more angry. As a result, people stop seeing Christ. We're at risk of only being seen as an angry mob of people who refuse to listen. And that's not the church Christ came to build. Matthew 28, 19 spells it out clear that we are to go into all the world and make disciples. And we can only do that 
by speaking the truth in love. And that means having the courage to face difficult conversations, to ask ourselves and be asked challenging questions, and ultimately be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We need more of this in the church today. And if you agree with me, or even if you're just a little curious about everything that I've said, then join me for the conversation at the Dear Christians podcast as we have honest discussions about Christianity, Christianity's relationship to culture, and ultimately our call to follow Christ. You can find us on Facebook at Dear Christians Podcast. Like and subscribe to be part of the discussion and see where this conversation goes. This has been a production of the New Kingdom Radio Theater in Baltimore, Maryland. Copyright 2020. And stay tuned for episode 43. Chauncey Haworth, Mark Slade, and Lothar Tuppen. The demented minds behind the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour bring you... Twisted Pulp Magazine. A journey beyond surreality to worlds you never knew or hoped existed. Worlds of the supernatural. Worlds of dark satire. Worlds of nightmarish futures. Twisted Pulp Magazine. If you thought the 21st century was weird enough already, think again. Twisted Pulp Magazine. A step beyond your grandfather's pulp. Available at digitalvaudeville.com. That's D I G I T A L V A U D E V I L L E.com. Mm-hmm.